You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I close out Season 2 with a review of recent macroeconomic indicators and a discussion about how these indicators affect our expectations for the outdoor market recovery. What might a new normal look like for outdoor markets? How could a large participant base support the market in the near future and in the long run? And how can consumer research inform our expectations for future markets? Let's get into it. Productivity increases entail asking people to produce more or automating. They can, you know, we can use AI to a certain extent and increase our productivity. But for the most part, I mean, our work is our work. And it makes yeah. me kind of wonder, I mean, you know, we've talked about workforce a little bit. I mean, we've seen, we've seen plenty of reduction in force in the past month. I mean, November, by the way, January lasted for like a year this year, didn't it? <laughs> How I feel. Yeah. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, 2025 is February. Yeah. And it 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 makes me wonder about um about efforts to increase productivity in outdoor and it, how that affects mm. workforce and and what we can expect if the, you know, considering that the American economy by all measures is doing quite well. I can't think of a single measure that I might go shit. That's bad, but it's true that that outdoor is had had um, we'll call it a difficult year. I mean, I'm looking at dollars sold. Year oh year yeah, under at about you know minus two percent, and that doesn't seem like a lot, but um, that can result in in these kinds of of moves to increase productivity, right? Cost cutting is what I'm talking yes. about. So if if things if things continue to go well, let's say, you know, I'm going to get 2023 participation data. I expect it to be showing an increase in the number of participants in outdoor. And yeah, with the that's that bodes well even if the market's down. Um that yes. tells me that, you know, it, all the things being equal, um our demand for outdoor products will stabilize and probably increase uh with the participant base in the next Two to three years. I mean, I just read a McKinsey report on sporting goods that gave our our compound annual growth rate a seven percent mark. That's their prediction, just for sporting oh, wow. goods for all in the U.S. There's a I'm gonna I'm gonna link that report into this podcast for everybody. Maybe one of the most interesting reports I've read in a while. Um, and you know they they were they might have been off about this past year by a little bit, but. That's yeah. that's a pretty you know McKinsey's saying that we're going to experience and that's North America by the way. Um, okay. The, okay. Yeah, the CAGR was for North America. They have it for a variety of countries, variety of regions. Yeah. And, and it all looks positive. I mean, they they are definitely predicting growth in our category. So I think you know things are a little bit difficult right now. I mean, we had it. We had a difficult year, mm -hmm. and um, you know it was no a year that was coming off. We we're coming off a high. You know, That's demand, it. Yes. Yeah. honestly, demand is like a drug. It is. And it's money in the pockets of these companies. So we're kind of, we, you know, we, we're having our hangover, right? But <laughs> now I'm not saying the party's going to start again. I'm saying maybe, maybe we're going to get that normality that we've been looking yeah. 
the new normality is going is going to is going to start showing itself in the next couple of years. And despite the fact that we have seen some significant reductions in force in the past month that lasted a year, we we the outdoor industry. Yes, the outdoor. Right. Industry. Yeah. You know, I I think that that the future is looking pretty bright overall. Yes, I agree, and I'm glad you brought up the participants because that. You know, like keeping our eye on the customer base having grown is so important for us to like be optimistic about that, like near future, mid future, whatever we want to call it. Because um, those folks are going to return to the market. It's just that if you made a big investment in a durable good like a bike or snow equipment or a canoe or like whatever, uh, firearms, whatever, whatever your outdoor activity is, if you made that big investment in 2020 or 21, there's likely nothing that's drawing you back to that market in 23 because you you're going to upgrade that every x number of years, 4, 5, 6 years, 10 years for some products. The the health of the market in the long run it will be sustained by those uh participants, but yeah, in in 23 there was nothing that really uh forced them back into the market. Yeah, it it it's tough. I'm, than, I'm searching for words here. It sucks. Other than insulated mugs and tumblers. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Right, I was yeah. 60 million in sales through our three specific channels alone. That blew yeah. me away. Um, yeah, there. I mean, there are some bright spots in the market, and most of them seem to be related to uh, casual participation. With the possible exception, you can't tell in running shoes. Tell yeah. me more about that. What do you mean by that? You can't tell no. an avid versus a new runner based on their shoe purchase. No, I can't, and I can't even tell a runner from a walker. I can't tell. I can't tell a runner. I can't tell a trail runner from a from a hiker in footwear anymore. Interesting. Having quiver killers, having having products that can be used in multiple activities is so important. And if I can find a shoe that I can hike in, and I can you know like do a little bit of running in, like probably not competitively, but. If I can have like an all-around shoe, absolutely. If I can have an all-around tech shirt, absolutely. If I can have all-around base layers, are you kidding me? I'm not buying specific stuff for hunting versus snowboarding. I want the same base layers. Yeah, no doubt. I'm with it. Well, you can, you're allowed to smell when you're snowboarding. <laughs> hey, Merino has totally changed the uh, the the base layer setup for me. That's that's the way to do it. No doubt, no doubt. I'm a I'm a big fan of the wool. That's and for it, sure. yeah it. It uh, mitigates the smell, which is great for hunting. And also, it's not bad for snowboarding either when you would otherwise be stinky. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's part of the gen quoi, isn't it? <laughs> Having been a snowboarder <laughs> myself. <laughs> so let's talk about, you said um, all well, of the I, economic indicators out there are, are pointing towards positivity in the overall U.S. market. Let's just touch on that for a second. We um, Let's see, this will air... In a week or two, so by then the jobs report will have been out for a bit. But as we're recording this, we just got the jobs report a few days ago, which showed like three hundred and fifty thousand jobs added in January, right? Yeah, it was about double nice. the expectation. It was. Yeah, and and I read somewhere I, I forget where I'll, I'll see if I can link it in the episode description. But um, the expectation was for unemployment to be at like four and a half, four five, four six, four seven, something like that, um, in early twenty four, and we're still at like. 3.7, I think. So yeah, unemployment okay. has remained low. Yeah. I mean, like almost historically low. We're adding a bunch of jobs. Consumer sentiment is trending positive. The the expectation is that inflation is going to continue to cool and, and and the household costs will continue to come down from, from a period of high inflation recently. And so 
all of these indicators, yeah, for the overall U.S. economy are pointing towards health, but it's it's tough to reconcile that with the feeling that we're having an outdoor of that workforce reduction that that you mentioned. Yeah, it's I mean, this. These are these are always difficult and transitory times, and this is again. I think this a lot of this is about you know the your bottom line, and you've got to increase productivity and cut costs um, it, when when times are tough. Um, one of the things that I think we can look forward to is when I think about the participant base and I think mm-hmm. about the economy, we've got over fifty five percent of Americans are participating in outdoor. I mean, it's yeah. a little, it's a little bit less for bike, but thirty four percent of Americans over the age of three rode a bike outdoors during uh, twenty two. Yeah, that's awesome. It's one hundred eight um, million folks. Yeah, it's that's more folks than we've ever measured riding before. Yes, yeah, and, and we're going to redo that study. We do that in, in even years. So at the end of the year, we'll update that number. Excellent. Yeah, I'm about to. I'm going to be updating my participant number in June. Um, mm-hmm. We get that. We get the full data set in April, but. I am I'm expecting some growth. Uh, that said, I mean, we, what's happened to the participant base um, is is incredible since COVID. It's grown by about 15 million participants. Yeah, outdoor. And when I look at those, when I look at that group, most of them are not diving in to be core in any particular activity. I think that you know most of them start by walking or hiking. You know, hiking seems to be our big gateway drug, but it's a different, <laughs> it really is a different kind of audience. And I, and I think yeah. this during this transitory time in the market, when we're increasing productivity and really getting serious about targeting a, a specific audience, right? We've got to start thinking more in terms of a, of a diverse group of casual participants, um, especially in the more accessible sports, like, like hiking and mm-hmm. walking, running and, and to a certain extent, even camping. Um, where you, you, you know, I think there's a, there's, this is a time in which we're just learning who these new customers are and what they're, what they're expecting out of the experience, what they're, you know, what are their pain points? What problems can we solve for them as, as they enter the outdoor market and how can we engage them as n- now outdoor participants? I think we're going to see more and more of that in outdoor with people sort of dabbling, you know, and, and yeah. have opportunities during that customer journey to to engage them in various categories like bike, like run, like camp. And if if they do decide to ride a bike, you know, how can I'm interested in convincing them to do a whole bunch of other things, right? Yeah, for sure. I want them to hike and run and camp and and fish and do just about all of the outdoor things I can think of because at that point then we've got a, a really committed customer in outdoor. Yeah. And you know, right now I, you know, I'm seeing 60 million hikers. You know, are what what kind of footwear are they using? I mean, it looks like a vast majority are are casual and they're they're hiking in their running shoes. Some of them are hiking in their <laughs> casual shoes, right? There's a, there's the idea that huh. you need specific footwear for this activity has not been communicated to them, right? And and you know the communication is about you know through hikers or core hikers or you know mm, people that think mm-hmm. a 15 mile hike is no big deal. That's yeah. not who we're talking to anymore in the mass market. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how I can marry up, you know, what what we see happening in the economy in our market specifically, and what we're seeing in the in the participant base, which appears to be transitioning now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I have two thoughts. So, 
in that 22 study we did of bicycling participation in the U.S., we found continued growth over 2020 in the number of participants, but we saw declining frequency. So um, not not a huge decline in the number of rides, but uh, we saw like a little bit of a polarization. A lot of the moderate folks who were riding between two and four times a month on average throughout the course of the year were either reducing their frequency um, to like a, a more occasional rider, like fewer than two trips a month, um, or like a small minority were, were sort of going to the really avid side. Like they they picked up cycling during the pandemic and then were like, this is it. I'm all about it now. I'm, I'm committed to riding more than four times a month over the course of the year. Um, but you know, like I, I think when someone sees that initially, you can go, uh-oh, we're, we're like losing people. They're not riding as often. But like you sort of mentioned it, like the, the biggest hurdle is just getting someone involved in an activity. And then once they're in that activity and they're supporting that activity with purchases, they can sort of ladder up through enthusiasm and avidity into like a more core um, or more avid uh, segment. But there's nothing wrong with being an occasional rider. There's nothing wrong with being an occasional participant in any of these categories. Thought number two, People for Bikes just published our study on attracting and keeping riders. So um, it's it's essentially like a life cycle analysis, uh, pun intended for cycling, life cycle analysis of folks coming into cycling, how they become aware of the activity, how they become interested in it, how they first engage in it, how they become more committed to it. And then for a segment, like how they sort of fall out of that participant base and how they might lapse that activity for a couple of years when when there's a physical limitation or there's a lifestyle change or, um, you know, they, they move, the infrastructure is not as good or they have a kid and, and they go through a period of a few years of not participating in this activity. But there's a lot of great information in there about how to support someone's um, matriculation f- through that sort of hierarchy of like, entry level novice rider into committed into like someone who's tied their identity to that particular activity i am someone who loves cycling uh regardless of, of frequency so I, there's a lot of great information in there that we'll have a webinar the the 13th of february that people for bikes members can attend that's going to be amazing you know in in that hit me there's nothing there's nothing wrong with somebody that just participates one or two times a year even. Yeah. I think the time is coming when we've got to really start thinking very, very hard about the customer journey of our casual participants. Yeah. No, let, let me add, I'd love it if they participated more. I'm not, I'm not trying to convince anyone to oh, participate no. less. What I'm saying is that I don't think there should be any, uh, any sort of stigma against the occasional rider because that person is engaging with their bike at least some, and, and then you're, you know, they're more likely to, understand the impact that infrastructure would have on cycling in their area. They're more likely to support the market through purchases to um, even if they're riding infrequently, they're going to, they're going to need a helmet every few years. They're going to need service every once in a while, you know, like annually or so. And um, anyway, I cut you off. Keep going. I just need tubes, man. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It's not easy to find them these days for some reason. I haven't, I have difficulty in that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the accessories. Right. It's the apparel. It's the footwear. It's all the things that that, you know, you you get to support your outdoor journey. Um, But I'm becoming more and more curious about the casual participant and and it just exactly, you know, how they how they arrived in outdoor. Even if I I want to hear the stories about 
well, you know, I, w- I was pretty much, you know, I didn't really do much before the pandemic. I went to the gym. Um, yeah. And, d- you know, when 2020 hit, I just started going outside and it really made me feel and fill in the blank. Right. And so I started, yeah. I started doing that more because it made me feel X. And then I figured, then I tried this and that's, that's the journey that I want to articulate. But that, that first, I want to know what, what kind of experience they're having in the outdoors. I want to know why they're consuming it or what, how they perceive themselves consuming it. You know, is it, is it something that they're doing? You know, is it a fitness thing? Is it, you know, are they trail running mm. for, you know, core fitness or are they, are they just taking a hike because it makes them feel better about the world and everything in it? Yeah. Maybe it's, and from one day to the next, maybe it's a little bit different, but I think, you know, if we, we can, we can, if we can gather enough data from casual consumers to just, to just answer that question, you know, what is it, what is it doing for you? Yeah. I love that. Uh, we we did a segmentation study in late 2020 with we we sort of we did a a study on new writers and then we compared it to existing writers so we ran them through the same um max diff experiments and then we set these two samples aside to sort of let them each have their own segments um fall out of those data but I think what you're describing is even more interesting. It's regardless of when you came into the sport, this is now your activity level. You were either an, an infrequent participant or an avid participant. Let's understand as much as we can about what you get out of this. And then we can sort of appeal to that motivation in a meaningful way that's going to help make sure that we're supporting that participant appropriately. I yeah, dig that. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's down. fun. I want to do that study. I would love to do that study. Wouldn't it be great if we had more time to do qual like that? It would be <laughs> and this is all coming because I I felt compelled somehow to watch the Grammys last night, and and it reminded me that I actually have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. You should be reminded of that every once in a while, Kelly. <laughs> hey, it is nice. It's nice. Um, it's it's always fun. I don't do much qual, and I didn't I didn't do this study either. But we hired Nexion thinking to to do the study and reading the um the verbatim responses and everything that came out of a series of I think thirty one on one interviews that are done in like a, a focus group style conversation. But it's an interview one on one over Zoom with the moderator and with the um, respondent, and hearing stories about how folks um, came into the activity and what they first fell in love with and how they. Uh, became more connected to the activity is like it's it's great to hear in addition to also being great to understand how we can appeal to some of these motivations to keep them connected to the activity yep and also but you know pain points okay if i had if i had my drummers oh, yeah here's here's what we do um yeah i think i'd pick i'd, I'd cut the u.s into census regions so i want yeah. to do four too and uh and we would we would choose um, basically based on probably traffic um, and and proximity to an MSA a metropolitan statistics. Okay. Yep. Pick a trailhead, right? And so we pick. Let's say we pick five trailheads per region, and we go put and you know we go put people on trailhead, mm-hmm. and we do it. We have to do it all at the same time, right? So we don't. I mean, it has to be on a specific day. During a yeah, yeah. Time, doesn't have to be the same date necessarily. And that's a little, that's even getting picky, but I want, I want a sample of about 20 from each trailhead, just, you know, maybe a five minute interview after they finish hiking. 
Um, and I want to know what else they're doing. I want to know how often they they do it. And the answer to that that really holy grail question: Why are you doing it? Yeah. So imagine we did that, and we did it in such a way that we could that we could aggregate the data. We could we could demonstrate cultural or or geographical variances. Um, we could even maybe you know accentuate some cultural variances, but mostly geographical. And really get a, a deep look at what's going on. Um, maybe with, and, and I, I say to start with the trailhead, I want to do it in, you know, in every category. Wherever wherever those people exit that activity, that's where I want to catch them. Not later mm-hmm. when they're sitting at their desk. Yeah. Not, I want to get them, I want to catch them right after they did it. So if anybody wants to fund that study, my number is 301. <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. amazing. I'm telling you, that would be an amazing study. Yeah, I like it that. Allow you, it would allow you to, to start redefining your target, your target market, mm-hmm. um, looking at product design for that crowd. You know, what are you designing for them? How are you helping them have that experience? And how are we marketing it to them? You know, we're still saying, come huck your bike off a 60 foot cliff. That'll be awesome. I mean, I, that's, a, I, that's a tough sell I'm, for a new writer. Right. I'm kind of I'm kind of concerned right now about mountain biking because the stuff, the content I see about mountain biking is going to kill most of us. <laughs> oh, I don't know that I share that concern. I think, um, you know, mountain biking, just like road um, has seen more infrequent riders. Um, uh, I, I said road I, mountain biking like riding on paved surfaces. So we have this distinction between riding on unpaved and riding on paved. So uh, it's a bit of a misnomer for me to call it road, but I, I don't think I share that same concern. I think that may, may just be your algorithm, Kelly. That's I don't think that's your TikTok. This is exactly why we need to do the study. Let's do it. Okay. Somebody fund it. Come on. We'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we started out with the U.S. economy, super healthy, doing well, better than expected. We sort of we we spent a little bit of time talking about what's happening in our particular categories. Um, there's pain coming out of 23. I think 24 is going to be another tough year. We we talked about our expectations. Talked about McKinsey. Talked about McKinsey, yeah. And then like I I think the most important thing I I sort of mentioned earlier on that keeping our eye on the long term is what's going to like keep keep us being optimistic about the market. Um, sustaining that customer base by really understanding them is going to be key. Um, They're here. They might not be active in the market right now, but to make sure that they are active in the market, let's understand their needs. Let's understand what's driving them to participate in those activities. And then when it's time for them to return to the market for that next big purchase, um, we're, we're here to meet them with the products and with the services they need. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I just, I really strongly (laughs) feel that one of the macro trends we have to watch is the, is the expansion and diversification of the casual participant base. Yeah. Yeah, totally agreed. Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.